0: You can have a seat, and I'm going to be reading from Mark 4, 1 through 20, and then Lee Webb is going to come up and bring the word. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen. And other seed fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who hear the the word, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold.
1: All right, folks, We, uh, we live in a little bit of a crazy world, don't we? International leaders flaunting their nuclear power, uh, trade wars, cyber attacks, shootings, um, stolen credit-y, credit credit uh, stolen credit, stolen identity is what I was trying to say Credity, credit any She made me nervous, I'm telling you y'all know I usually don't get nervous when I get up here, but like she's I was like, I need some slides that are missing or some notes not there or something. Make me feel normal. Have you ever had your identity stolen? That's hit our house. How about drones delivering packages or cars driving themselves coming to a theater, but for real, near you? Now, that's crazy stuff and we see it every day, but in my life, there's all kinds of crazy and chaotic things They may not be on that level, but in my own little world, they're on that level. Anybody else have any chaos in their life? We live in a house with three little people. It's nine, one is six, and one is three. I'm going to tell you a story, and we're family. So, you know, just like Robin, when she got up here, I'm just going to share. We're just going to be honest. We're just all going to get around this idea together, okay? Can we do that together today? All right, so I'm, um, I'm, you know, again, crazy things happen in our house, and they can happen at any point in time in the day or at night. Namely, at night, this particular story at about 3 o'clock in the morning. For those of you that have little people know that's not really abnormal that something crazy would happen at 3 o'clock in the morning. Child comes to your bed. You're in your bed with your wife, as you should be, sleeping at 3 in the morning. He's coughing. He's sick. Oh, no, oh, no you lose your spot in the bed. So I lost my spot in the bed. I went to where he was sleeping. And it's like, anybody else have like musical chairs or chaos in their house around the beds, like where you might end up and you wake up that morning and you're like, oh, what room am I in? Where am I at? That's why we drink a lot of coffee, folks. Anyway... So I'm in this room and I shut the door to sleep. I'm sleeping really well. Probably in a couple of hours later, maybe this is due to my age, I got up and I had to use the bathroom. All right, we're family. Y'all said, you promised. It was all right, I'm just gonna tell you. So I had to use the bathroom, so I go to the door to unlock the door, but I forgot the lock is on the outside of the door because one of the little people in our house does not like to stay in timeout. So what you do, Stephanie, is you put the lock on the outside. You know what I'm talking about? They had not figured that out yet? Okay. Don't turn me in. You said we were family. (laughs) All right, so I'm I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Now, one option is to raise the window (laughs) and whatever. You take it from there. But we have a security system, so don't try to break in my house, family. (laughs) We have a security system, so if I raise that... Rachel, who is very scared at 4 in the morning, 3 in the morning, 4 in the afternoon. One time we saw somebody was down in the basement, and she opened the door and said, This is your last chance to get out. There's nobody down there. I'm calling 911 right now. So I have a choice. I could raise the window, set up alarm, wake up everyone, sick child and all, or... I can figure something else out. Now, since we're in this together, I'm going to show you a picture of some items in the room that I had to choose from. I'm, I end up actually in Warren's room. I don't even know why she's not sleeping in her room. Don't, whatever. So here's your pictures, all right? Now, you get about 30 seconds. and We're probably going to run over anyway because when the founding pastor teaches, he just goes on and on and on. All right, so four four pictures here. Now, you get... You get uh, an opportunity to think about if you're in a locked room, and as time goes on, you're getting a little more anxious because as things get crazy and more chaotic, you know, I have a need in this moment, and I just can't fulfill that need. So anyway, what would you do? What would you use? Turn to your neighbor, and uh, let's see what we might be able to come up with here. What would you do? What would you use? But would you not, maybe there's not even something on this picture, maybe you have something else in your mind, and we'll hear from a couple of you, okay? Does anybody know the uh, Jeopardy theme, y'all got that queued up back there? Jeopardy. Uh Sam's like, oh my gosh, where is this going? (laughs) Okay. All right, let's hear from you, a couple of you. Anybody? Metal. The medal. What would you do with it? <laughs> Nothing. You don't have, Okay, thank you, Philip. Wow. Unlike Megan, Philip can sing, but that's about it. Now, I know that's not true. Y'all know I know that's not true. All right. What else? Close pin. Close pin. Uh-huh. Okay. To do what? <laughs> Whatever your physical need is. Oh! Wow! We really did go there. Use the iPad charger. Use the what? Use the iPad charger to unlock the door. Good. That's the best one. Here's what I did. Well, you can't see on this picture, in fairness. Well, yeah, you can. See the wire that is on the Warren's Masterpieces thing? And it's draped around with a clothespin? Oh, you didn't see that, did you? I thought I was good. So I I took it apart, took it off. I mean, this is taking like 10 minutes, you know, which seems like three hours. Double it up, put it in the hole, try to unlock the thing. Does anybody even know what I'm talking about right now? But it's not sturdy enough. Because it's crazy right now, okay? That's why it's not sturdy enough. And I try to, and I can't, okay? So then I just decide, well, what I have to do is bang on the door. I banged on the door, waked up the whole house, went to the restroom, waked up, woke up the sick child and all that. It's crazy, man. I don't even know how to tell you. That's, that's just the best story that I can come up with right now uh, for this morning. But you know what? God knows we're crazy. I happen to think he knows that really inside we're just a bunch of monsters um, thankfully, he's crazy about us Which is what we celebrated last week, right? With Easter he's, He cares so deeply about us And the condition of our hearts uh, That he gives us uh, what we're talking about today Which is clarity uh, we, need, we need clarity because oftentimes it gets crazy And we don't know where to start That's what Jesus can give us He can give us clarity in the craziness and so I'd like to pray for us as we start to talk about that today. God, you, uh, you know we are in such need. Uh, oftentimes we think we can do it on our own. Uh, oftentimes we think we have it covered, which is crazy. We're just grateful for your gospel, which tells us that uh, by sheer grace, you gave your life for us and for our own craziness So that we could trust in the hope that is in you. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Love the fact that we tell our stories, right? We all like to hear a story. And last week, how awesome did Josh do? Where's Josh? How awesome did Josh do? Give it up for Josh. Hey, since Blake's not here this morning, when he first... I didn't even want to talk, but we're just talking about it. Um, uh, When he first started at Christ Community... He was trying to organize me, and he couldn't get me organized. And he said, well, this morning we don't have anybody to share our story, so we're not going to tell our story this morning. I said, no, we tell a story every morning in Christ's community. That's the only time I ever talked to him about that. I felt really good about myself because he was subordinate to me at that point. <laughs> I just told him what to do right there. I was like, no, we tell a story every. He was like, okay, we tell a story. I said, well, you just find somebody. Grab somebody. Somebody's got a story. To tell You know, Jesus taught in parables a lot, uh, which are stories, right? But these are stories with intentional meaning, okay? So for these stories, with these parables, like the one that we just heard about, they're for those that are believers, right, so that we could have instruction. But they're also parables for those that are outside the faith so that they can begin to learn about who God is and the love of God. So this parable that we read about features these these soils which we have on display for you this morning, I'm hoping uh, that, that you can get some clarity from what I say, maybe by at least uh, the story that we've heard and, uh, and these uh, representations here. Uh, so we have the hard, we have the rocky, we have what I'm calling weeds and thorns, and we have fertile, right? So as you've heard that passage and as we begin to get into this, I want to try to break down each one of these for you, okay? And, and hopefully, as you hear me try to go through this, you can be thinking about the condition of your heart. My question is, where, where are you at? What condition are you in? And because you're crazy like me, how in the world do we find a starting place to get clarity on where we are and where we want to go? I think that would be a great way for us to spend some time together. So... You know, first the parable starts off with the sower, right? With the seed, right? And so this sower with this seed uh, spreads the seed on the path, right? Okay, so now not only does he or she spread it on the path like this, right? So this is supposed to be really hard dirt, but it actually looks fertile. So that's probably a bad start. But it's kind of more like that. That's really hard, okay? So what happens is when that seed hits that hard surface, is it going to grow? No, it's not. Actually, the scripture says the birds come and devour the seed before it even has a chance to grow because the seed fell on the path. The path is where people walk, and so it's beaten down, it's hardened, right? It's all still on the surface, and it doesn't stay there long. You know, I um, do business here in Shelbyville, have a, have a business and been in business for the last couple of decades, and when you're in business, sometimes there's misunderstandings, Right? You try to do the best you can in business. Business is its own crazy, chaotic mess. Um, And and frankly, to me, it's like it's like a ministry, it's like an opportunity for me to connect with people. And so I try to do my best to do that. But sometimes people take you the wrong way, or maybe sometimes you even mess up. Um, Different things happen. I can remember one time, um, this was early in my career, my dad had started a construction company. And my job was to work on the construction site and bring the stuff to the guys. Well, one of the guys there didn't really like me. I think it was probably because my dad owned the company or whatever it was. He just decided he didn't really like me. Um, So my job was to take him the, the stuff that he needed, but I didn't even know what the stuff was. I mean, I knew like a stick of wood, you know, or something like that, not even like, you know, uh, the difference between anything, right? A stick of wood, what is that? Uh, treated, untreated. And he starts talking to me like I'm more qualified than I am. And he gets frustrated at his superior because I don't know anything. Doubled up with I'm supposed to be the, the son on the site working during the summer to make money for college or whatever all those things are. I knew he was angry with me. And I felt like he was really just a person that was very hardened. You ever run into anybody like that? Um, I know, I know, I do. Well, I hadn't seen this guy for like ten years, and I pull up to—I'm pretty naive. I pull up to the stoplight, and he's walking down the street. I, he kind of looked like he was walking down the street, not because he wanted to be walking down the street. I don't know what was going on. Maybe he didn't have a car, or whatever. He was just angry. He was just mad. And I rolled down my window, and I said, "Hey, fill in the blank. How you doing?" And he returned the salute at me with the number one finger um, immediately. Like, 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 I've been holding this in for 15 years or 10 years since I saw you last. I'm just like, that's just savage, right? That's just, that's just hard. But before I go to judge him, you know what? I can have a hard heart too. Because oftentimes, Rachel will tell you, I don't like to get too emotional if I can help it. Now, church planning will change you in that, but I would rather just insulate myself emotionally. I would rather um, just hide those things and sort of move past whatever the hurt is. That's why when Robin shares her story, it's so impactful to me because she's being so vulnerable, and oftentimes, I don't do that. I'm not as empathetic as I should be, right? Um, I'm just, my heart is just ready, ready to move on, and little things happen in my day. I don't know if you're just an ordinary person like me, uh, but little things happen in my day, like just weird stuff that show me that sometimes I have a hard heart. One time I was speaking at an event, and it was a morning event, and I was coming back, and I had a bunch of breakfast that I was going to bring back because I was the good husband, namely because I was super hungry, and I didn't want to come home and just bring food for me, um, so, so I brought it, uh, I was bringing this food home, and I get up to the exit ramp, and there's a guy sitting at the ramp, you all know the guys that, guys that sit at the end of the ramp, right? And we all have our different philosophies, uh, we all have our different ideas about what that is, but if God tells you to do something, you just do it, alright? Let's just be clear about that, forget about all the principles and whatever else, if the Holy Spirit says do it, you know what that means, I know what that means, he told me to just give him that whole thing of food, and I said no. I said, no, and I drove home and I ate it. What's wrong with me? I said, no, and then I went home and I didn't even feel bad, and I ate it. You know why? Because I'm a, like, Christian speaker and I spoke and and I earned this food. And come on, man. That's, That's an example of a hard heart. You know how good God is even with my hard heart? A couple of weeks ago, I was pulling out of another restaurant to take some pizza home to my family. And God was like, Give him the pizza. Guess what I did? No, I'm not giving him that pizza. How how good do you feel about me right now? No, I didn't give him the pizza. I told you how good God is, right? About a week later, the same guy was sitting there, and I came through. And I knew exactly what to do. I gave him like 20 bucks and whatever, whatever, whatever. I was just so grateful that God showed me grace and taught me about how hard my heart can be. But yet he still loved me. And he still used me. It was almost like Peter, right? Like it took three times, right? And in that moment, it showed me how hard my heart is. I love this quote by Tim Keller. It says, the gospel isn't advice. It's the good news that you don't need to earn your way to God. Jesus has already done it for you. And it's a gift that you receive by sheer grace. The gospel is not about choosing to follow advice. It's about being called to follow a king. Not just someone with the power and authority to tell us what we need to do to get things done, but someone with the power and authority to do what needs to be done and then to offer it to you as good news. See, the sober part about this hard heart is there are some of us in this room that don't want a king. We don't want a king. It's not that we don't understand what's happening here today and what we talked about during Easter. We've just decided that we don't need a Savior and we don't need a King that we'll figure it out and we're doing just fine on our own. This is a sobering teaching from Jesus because he tells us our heart is hard and he's warning us that that does not end well. So that's the the hard soul. Maybe you can relate to that today. Now for the rocky soil, you can see this, uh, this plant is doing really well. There's, uh, there's not much soil in this container, if you could get up here and look at it. It's full of rock. So when the seed comes along and the seed comes onto the rock, there's no room for the seed to penetrate the rock. You following what I'm saying? The seed can't go down in because there's too much rock there. And what seed does make it there starts really well, okay? It starts really well, but it just doesn't finish because there's no room for the seed to have any moisture or anything. It's, it's crowded out. It's kind of like when you're messing around on the Internet and you run across a Hillsong video and you're like, man, that's my song. It just, it's just illuminating in my heart and I just want to change the world. And you jump in your car and you drive down Main Street and you cut the first guy off. What happened? I started so well. Sprang up quick. Didn't finish. Didn't finish well. Ended up looking like that. I was maybe an emotional hearer. Rachel says often she remember growing up as a child going to revivals. Ain't nothing wrong with a revival. She went to a revival all the time and she would go run up front every time. Save me, Lord. Save me, Lord. Every revival she would run up front, right? Or maybe in a sad way, it's that funeral that you go to and you hear that message. And you, and the reality of life and death hits you. And you say to yourself, that's it, God. I'm going to stop this behavior. I'm going to change this circumstance. I'm going to go on this mission trip. He's been saying it for years. That's it. I'm going to do it. And then the next week comes by and we don't do it. We start so well. We don't finish. Maybe it's like your favorite sports team. Let's say, Jeff, that your favorite sports team starts five freshmen. Just hypothetically. (laughs) This team starts to make a run. They started so well, but the game got a little physical. We didn't have any root. We didn't have any depth. I, this is just hypothetical, okay? We didn't have any depth, and so what started so well seemed to end pretty quick. It was like we were cut short. It was like there was two more weekends. of um, You get scorched. You don't have any root. Since we're sharing, when, um, when I was in college... I sort of felt like I sort of felt like that, because I kept my Bible in my room, but I didn't really know much about my Bible. I just knew it was important to have a Bible. I went to church when I was a child. I got saved when I was 12 years old. I was baptized. I went to church every Sunday, all that stuff. When I got to college, I just kept my Bible. I didn't know how to apply it. I didn't know much about it. There was a guy that lived across the hall from me that knew that I had a Bible in my room, and he knew it. And he knew that I didn't know really what to do with it, but he knew it meant a lot to me, maybe culturally more than what my faith would express. So he would just give me a hard time about this Bible, and I passed him in the hallway one day, and he said, hey, Lee, you know, the Bible, you know, how can you think that that's without error? That's just a bunch of old, you know, writings assembled together. It doesn't mean anything. There's nothing there. And I said, you know what? I'm going to prove to you that this Bible means something because every time I open my Bible, and maybe I heard somebody say this or something sometime, every time I open my Bible, God speaks to me. Every time. So, do this right here, and I just flip it open. So dangerous. Just, what are you doing? This is what you look like right here, Lee. And I flip to Isaiah 8. And I, and here's the... The Lord said to me, take a large scroll and write on it with an ordinary pen, Mahir Shalah Hajbaz. He said, I I don't see how that is speaking to you right now. (laughs) So what's, you know, found out later, that's the longest word in the Bible. That's not the depth I'm talking about, by the way, that now that you know you heard me say that, that that's the longest word in the Bible, that's not the kind of depth we're talking about. But it's also not the kind of depth that we're talking about that I sprung up so quick as a child, right? I had my Bible and everything, I was ready to go. The guy, the atheist across the hall challenged me, I didn't know what I believed, I had no depth. I had no depth. So what started well didn't, didn't end well. How about the weeds and the thorn? Does that thing look like a hot mess? Just so you know, my mom helped me put these things together. She is so embarrassed by the way that looks right now. (laughs) But the seed goes down, right? And the weeds and the thorns choke it out. So what is in there, which is a beautiful plant, is choked out by the thorns and the weeds. Now, I don't know all of you intimately. We don't walk day to day, right? But I can tell you this is where I'm at. And I will tell you that a lot of the Western Christian culture is right here. We are really good, church, at crowding out the seed. Read a lot of C.S. Lewis, uh, The Weight of Glory, would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered to us like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud plies in the slum because he cannot imagine what it is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. Like the weeds and the thorns... We are far too easily pleased. We're far too easily pleased. Some of these thorns, granted, are tough. And, and Robin shared some real life stuff about some of those thorns that are tough. But maybe for you this time of year, it's a real worry, right, about how you're going to pay your taxes. Or maybe it's a real addiction that you have that you fight day to day. Uh, Maybe it's the anxiety that you have over a health issue. of Someone, maybe it's you, maybe it's someone in your family. These are real tough thorns. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in that you know you need to break off, but you don't know how to do it. This stuff crowds the seed. It crowds your thinking. You think about it all the time. Maybe it's lust. Maybe it's pornography. Maybe it's desire for more money, a bigger house, a better car. Maybe it's getting ahead at work so that way I can make more money. Then one day I can feel more secure because I'll have more retirement. If I have more retirement, then I'll be able to do what I want to do. And in the meantime, I'm crowding the seed out. Now, that we can all agree with that. But what if we start talking about the good things that crowd out the seed? I don't do that. You know, the good stuff. Like family, like my kids, like my kids' schedules, like my kids' schedules that take over my schedule, like the expectations that other, others put on me that I know that I'll never reach, but I still keep trying to get there. Like the fact that I want to serve and love people, but I'm really not doing it in a healthy way. It's really about me, because I'm, at my core, a people pleaser. All of that crowding out this. It's good stuff, right? It's the good stuff. It's the good thorns. It's the good weeds. Think about media just for a second. You know, a a Nielsen Company audience report reveals that uh, adults in the United States are devoted to over 10 hours each day of consuming media. 10 hours a day. Now, and I think this is a low number. It's probably an old report. But Apple recently confirmed that its device users unlock their phones 80 times every day. I I think that's a low number. Uh, That's as much as six, seven times an hour. I, I think that's low i was trying to be nice. I, th- I think that's a low number. What does it do? Does it crowd it out? The media is supposed to be good. It's supposed to be technology that makes us more efficient, makes us more effective. But is it crowding us out? Well, we say, well, we started off this morning. I mean, I don't know how to do it. I've, I'm on my phone, right? I'm gonna, I am go there because I want to do utmost for as high as Oswald Chambers devotional. And I click on that. Then I'll get a notification. Anybody else? <laughs> Facebook notification. Go on Facebook. Fall asleep at the Facebook will. You're on there for 20 minutes, and you ruin. And you're just like, why did I just do that? We crowded it out. Was it a bad thing? I love this quote by David Goetz. It says too much of a of the good life ends up being toxic and deforms us spiritually. Too much of a good life ends up being toxic and deforms us spiritually. You know, for me, the way that I end up here is that I have a a busy schedule with lots to do. And I start off in the morning, and Rachel will say to me, do you mind to take Wells to school because I've got two or three things? Fair question. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll... (laughs) Yeah, I'll take him. Get his stuff together. <laughs> then you know what she says to me? This is okay, isn't it? She says to me, you know, like, well, I don't want you to take him if you're going to be a martyr about it. <laughs> you know, Rachel. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so convicted now. I'm all, I'm all messed up. It's not a hard thing for me to do. Is like the next block down where he goes to school. Think well of me. But I put my head down and I get through, right? I just try to get through. And we have stuff to do, and I don't want to belittle the, the schedules that we have. But where we want to end up is at this fertile plant, which my mom is more proud of this, this plant. Reminds me of my good friends, uh, the divines. Um, the divines who uh, I made fun of Philip earlier. I would never do that again, Philip. I think we have a picture of sort of what they're up to right now in their house. Oh, he did? He just He's a kid's the bathroom. Yeah. Woo. He's a servant. So what they're doing right now is um, because they know the condition of the soil is such outside and it's not ready, uh, they're actually... Uh, Being proactive with their seeds, Uh, they're they're taking their seedlings and they're they're y'all that are have small farms or gardens. I have no green thumb, not a shocker to you, Uh, but this apparently is like underneath a heating lamp of some sort, and they're starting their seeds right. And so when the first frost ends, which should have been two months ago, and I'm, it's kind of like that favorite. Okay. These seedlings then will be transferred when the soil is right. So what comes out is the next picture, right? Right. Next slide. There's little Mr. Divine. And the fertile soil is actually uh, providing uh, produce. It's, It's fruitful. So knowing the condition of your soil is critical, even a very tangible way, right? We have to know. helps us to manage the craziness. You know what I think about people that are in this soil, right? We have a lot of them in this church, and I'm grateful for them. A lot of them are the ones that work on the other side of that wall more than they should. Uh, A lot of these people are quick to repent. Uh, They react with kindness. They're good listeners. They know that what they do is God's strength and not their strength, whatever the outcomes are. Uh, They have open hands, open hearts, they give grace. Yes, they are doers, but they know that it's not them doing the work, right? They have fertile soil, and they're very, uh, very impactful, as I said, in my life. Now, here's the thing, teaching moment for us, right? So, this is what it looks like to have fertile soil, though you knew you were going to hear something about not staying inside. So We used to think as a church that we would get real fertile and everything would look really good and that we would multiply and we would stay inside of these walls. So it would be natural that we would look at this plant and say, wow, look at this church plant. Look how awesome it is. Uh, Let's get bigger and bigger and let's stay in This pot. I I don't think that's what fertile soil does, though. Because it multiplies. And other things are started from that. Right? We see that as a church with Midland. We see that as a church as other opportunities to send and plant other churches. That's why we're all about church planting. We think it's our greatest form of multiplication, of sowing the seed. Yes, that that is a great picture for us as a church, but it also is a great picture of people that I know in this church that are investing in their children and their children's children, and this multiplication happens through family as well. And if your family is not here, and if you feel broken because of that, you can in turn and invest in any of this family, because I said we're all family. And in that way, that fertile soil can be multiplied. Now, to close, Jesus gives us clarity about this parable. You know, we hear this this story, the first part of the parable, and we're wondering what the meaning is. And I told you a parable is not just a story. It has intentional meaning. So I think we have this slide I want to go back through quickly. The sower sows the word. The word is the seed. This is the hard soil. And this is what he says about it. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Rocky. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then... When tribulation or persecution arises on account of the seed or the word, immediately they fall away. Next, weeds and thorns. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves unfruitful. Lastly, but those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. This is example of fertile soil. So as the band comes back up and we close this uh, time of worship together, we started off talking about the craziness of this world. We started talking off uh, talking about the craziness in my life, my little ordinary, normal life. How do we get clarity in the craziness of all of this? Well, I'm not quite sure because sometimes I feel like I never have clarity. Sometimes I feel like it's always going to be crazy. Anybody else feel like that? You, you might have clarity for a second and then it just goes away. You might... Be not crazy because you got your calendar out and you worked all logistics out and everybody agreed and we had dinner around the table that night. Then the next night it gets blown up and we're back to crazy. How do we how do we handle that? How do we manage that? Well, for me, there's a passage in Galatians six eight it says, "Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap." eternal life. What are we choosing to sow our seed in? Rachel and I went and saw the uh, movie The Apostle Paul, which since we're family, I'll just be honest with you, sometimes sometimes those kind of movies can, I, I feel like they're going to be corny, just to be honest. But this this movie was not for us. It really spoke to us. And at the very end, the, the character or the actor that plays Paul says, you know, life, life is uh, like the ocean, the water in the ocean. It says, a man's life on earth is the water slipping away between his fingers when he dips his hand in the ocean. But a life with Christ in heaven is like all the remaining water in the entire sea. Life slips away so quickly. So yeah, we could sign up for Honduras. We could come to our community group. Uh, We could attend a church most every Sunday. And in fact, when it's Love Shelbyville Day, instead of staying home, we don't skip that day. We actually come and do Love Shelbyville. We do all the right things because we want this fertile soil. We're trying because we're doers, because we're outsiders. We said that's what we were going to do. We're committed. But God doesn't want our effort. He doesn't want our effort. He wants our hearts. And our hearts need to be found in the right condition for Him to use. Those things that that come out of the soil, they come out because it's what God brings out. He can't bring anything out unless He has our hearts. So if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus because you don't want a king, I'm pleading with you. This king is not a laborious king. This is a king of joy. I'm asking you to believe in the resurrection of Jesus. There's no place that you can start. You can't sign up for any of this stuff if you don't know him. And so what I'm asking you to do is to consider receiving him as your Lord and your Savior. i sure we're crazy and sure we're all confused and we lack clarity. But I'm believing that Jesus is a great place for us to start. Let's start there together this morning. Let's pray. Jesus, you said, after the first part of the parable, he who has ears, let him hear. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand with us, please?